We are slavery's end. Each morning we rise, wide awake and filled with purpose. We fight fearlessly in the name of justice because we believe in a better world and a God who moves us to make it so. We are the church beyond a building or a day of the week, relentlessly defending freedom. Not for some distant future, but for today. So that this may be the last generation to be owned, sold, or ignored in their suffering. And though we may be free, we are tied to those still held in bondage. And we will not go away until lives, communities, and nations are transformed, until all countries protect all of their citizens. So, each day we rise again, knowing we are slavery's end. And we will never be free. free until all are free good morning Northwest welcome welcome to those joining us online I'm happy that you're here my name is Crystal Brunton and we are ending our month-long series on freedom this is the grand finale freedom Sunday and I'm so happy that you could join us today we have been talking all month about freedom from all different types of bondages, bondages in our minds, in our spirits, in our emotions. And today we are talking about freedom from physical bondage. We work very closely with an organization called International Justice Mission. And around here, we, we know them as IJM. I may need a little assistance with my clicker. IJM is the largest anti-slavery organization in the entire world. They have freed over 28,000 people. That is an incredible amount of people. And many have asked me over the years, since I am the, um, the advocacy leader for the state of Florida, many people approach me and say, I've heard about this cause and I want to get involved. What can I do? What can I do to help? Well, if you've asked me that question, today is your day. I am gonna be sharing stories with you from the field, some of the work that we've been doing, and I'm gonna give you some very concrete ways that you can get involved if you'd like. And for those of you who have been involved with International Justice Mission for a few years now, who have given of their time and their money, and they've advocated for us, this is your day as well. Because every story that I am gonna share with you today 
is a victory of yours. You have played your part in each and every victory, and that is something to be so proud of. I got a little bit ahead of myself here. Here we are. So welcome. I think in America, you know, if we're going to take a look at this word injustice, when we're talking about freedom from slavery, we're talking of really what we're talking about is injustice. And when we talk about that, we really have to um, look at sort of our Americanized version of the word injustice. I think we put a very first world spin on this word of injustice. You know, sometimes your name can be written wrong on your Starbucks coffee cup, and it's like, this is an injustice. And I I've recently had an issue in my neighborhood um, where squatters have moved into one of the homes. And for those of you that don't know what a squatter is, it's basically someone who breaks into the home and is living there illegally. And the problem with that is that um, a lot of um, criminal activity has been surrounding this house. So what I've done is I've called the sheriff's office and I had a contact over there, someone that I've worked with in community events over the years, and I said, listen, I'm having a problem in my neighborhood with squatting, what do I do? And um, there's a lot of drug activity going on and um, these guys are just up to no good. And so she said, well, it's really the owner of the home that has to issue the notice of eviction. And I said, well, the bank owns the home, it's a foreclosure, so you have to contact the bank. And she said, well, you know, I can maybe let narcotics division know on their time off, maybe they can drive by and, and look. And I was like, that sounds promising. So I call, call the bank and um, talk to Susie, who says, okay, I'll open a file. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that means. And so she, I said, is there a number that I can call in maybe a few weeks to see that anything's actually been done um, in issuing these eviction notices? And she said, no, <laughs> there's no I'm not going to give you that. So um, this isn't happening in Susie's neighborhood, and this house isn't one that Susie personally owns. So you can see that my expectation of things actually getting done is about here. And I found myself saying, God, this is an injustice. These drug dealers have moved into my neighborhood and they're causing problems because there's children that play there. There's all sorts of nefarious activities. There's this long stream of strange cars that come all day, all night, all times. And just, God, this, why is this my problem? Why is this now dumped on my plate? I know about this much about how to handle tra uh, drug traffickers. And, um, you know, I, God really challenged me on that because that even this frustrating situation for, for me is not the biblical term of injustice. The, the, the term injustice that's used in the Bible is the abuse of power to take from others the good things that God has given to them, their life, their liberty, their love. Someone who is in power takes from someone who is not and who has nothing. And if we look at the book of Ecclesiastes, it says, again, I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed and they have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors and they had no comforter. This is the biblical picture of injustice that we're talking about. Let me share some statistics with you. According to the Walk Free Foundation, 
There are more than 45 million people in the world who live as slaves. And numbers are really difficult to personalize and conceptualize. So to put that into perspective, 45 million is a greater population than 150 countries in the world. 45 million is more slaves than were trafficked during the 400 years of the transatlantic slave trade. 45 million people enslaved today is more than at any other time in recorded history. And I feel so strongly that we abdicate our right to harshly judge the actions or inactions of people in the past when we are doing nothing meaningful in the fight against slavery today. We abdicate our right to be so angry about that when there are more slaves today than it ever before. That's an incredible statistic. How is this possible? How is it possible that slavery is so pervasive and we don't even know about it? We don't see it. There are still people that have a hard time believing that it actually exists. They think it's something that still only exists in history books. I promise you that slavery does exist. And it's not my reality and it's not your reality, but it is a reality for 45 million others. This is Kumar and this is his reality. You're working 14, 18-hour days with very little sleep, no freedom. Dignity is taken away from them, and, and that's something nobody should have to endure. We had a number of years ago, two of the bond laborers escaped from a facility. And they were tracked down by the owners of the facility and, and brought back. And as a punishment for what they had done, their hands were chopped off. We would go to the government officers and we'd say, sir, there is a bonded labor case. And almost always the response was, there is no bonded labor in my area. What are you talking? How much? 30? Yeah, yeah, I'm afraid. Can you, there's a girl who's very afraid. Almost unable to walk. This is Kumar. He was abandoned by his mother, and his father was suddenly killed. Orphaned and alone, he was accountable for his parents' debts. And at just seven years old, he was forced into slavery. Kumar remembers a day where he was so ill he couldn't get out of bed. Immediately, his owner came looking for him. Kumar was trapped by debt and a slave owner who beat him continuously. 
he, like so many, had no remaining hope for a way out. Seven years old. Kumar said he was literally afraid to think of the future. He couldn't even let his mind go there. And I can't imagine the desperation a child must feel who's lost their parents, which means you are stuck in a place and nobody is looking for you. Can you imagine the desperation that a child would feel to have nobody looking for them? I wish I could say that Kumar's story is unique and one-off. The truth is the only thing that makes Kumar's story unique is the fact that you've now heard about it. Slavery is a pervasive and violent problem across our world. I was, at the end of last year, I was doing some undercover work in one of our foreign offices, and I got the chance to meet um, one of our survivors, and she was a 14-year-old girl. She had been abducted and kept in a room for what she thinks was about three months, and there she was sexually assaulted more times than she could remember. She lost count. And one day, she didn't hear any noises outside of her door, and so she thought, this might be my chance to escape. This might be my chance to get out of this hellhole. And so she went to the door, and she crept outside the door, all was clear. She made it outside, and that's when she came face to face with her trafficker. Her trafficker was her mother. Her mother was the one that was keeping her locked in this room. And I looked at Liana, and I didn't know what to say. Like, what do you even do with that information? What do you say to someone who's been through that? I think that when we're having to, to kind of sort through these really difficult questions, I think the best place to start looking is to see what God says about that. Where is God in all of this? Pastor Mark said it best at the beginning of this series when he said, how much it must break God's heart to see his image living as a slave. That is the reality, that it breaks God's heart incredibly. Let's look to Luke chapter four, verses 14 through 20. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding county. He's country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came up to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up and read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to them. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. So let the oppressed go free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him. Bring good news to the poor. Proclaim the release of the captives, recovery of sight of the blind, let the oppressed go free. This is what our Savior says about injustice 
to let the oppressed go free. And one of the things that's so amazing about God is that he is not a one-dimensional God. So when he says to let the oppressed go free, he is talking about all sorts of bondages. Bondages in our mind, bondages in our emotion, bondages in our spirit, and physical bondages as well. All of these things, he says, let the oppressed go free. May they be free. This is the very thing that we as a church believe, that my friends at IJM believe. This is what we've come to understand about the very mission of Jesus, to let the oppressed go free. His will is not that any of us live in any sort of bondage. That's why I can tell you today that Kumar is no longer suffering in the hands of a brutal slave owner. Let's watch his rescue. IJM discovered the horrific conditions in the brick factory where Kumar and others were being forced to work against their will. And, based on their undercover video evidence, local government authorities and police came alongside IJM to conduct a rescue operation. The more and more we are doing these rescues, people are getting aware that people are being abused, there is bonded labor, there is trafficking. Also, the law is going to take its course as well as perpetrators go behind. When the team arrived in the morning and entered the brick factory, 15 men, women, and children were rescued and given their freedom back. Then, they were each given a certificate to prove that they no longer owe any debts to their former owner. And one was for Kumar. After being rescued, IJM placed Kumar in their aftercare program to heal. You'd ask him a question anytime, no matter what, and he would say, the one thing I want to do, sir, is I want to study. He was clear about that. And then, they enrolled him in school for the first time. Today, he is studying to be a social worker, to help those still suffering like he did. And what we do at IJM is we go look for that lost sheep, that girl that's being abused, that widow who's been run out of her home. And we will search for her until we find her. That's how our Father has loved us. That's how we are called to love others. Not to search for them until we've satisfied ourselves. Not to search for them until it gets really hard. But to go after them until we find them. To be relentless 
and our love. To be relentless in our love. The God I have experienced is a God of justice. He is a God that hates oppression. And I have seen some very dark places in the world. I've walked the red light district in foreign countries in search of girls in need of rescue. And there's one thing that I've learned from that experience is that God's presence is even there. God's presence exists in even the most dark places in this world, that there is no dark corner of the world that God's eyes do not see. That is so encouraging to me. That tells me how big my God is. Since this day, since upon being rescued, everything has changed for Kumar. He is in college, that he was very adamant to be a student. He's a deep thinker. He's an excellent dancer, and he's now working in our Bangalore office to help free children that were in the same situation that he was in. Isn't that incredible how we serve such a redemptive God? The best part of Kumar's story for me is that Kumar is now a Christian. You see, the first link in the redemptive chain for Kumar was physical freedom. Once he was saved, once he was pulled out of that brick factory, his next question is, why did you rescue me? And this is not unusual for our clients. This is not unusual for the people that we rescue because a natural question of, upon rescue is, why would you do this for me? I haven't paid you money. I don't even know who you are. But to be able to say, the love of Christ compelled me to search for you and to not stop until you were found. That is the mission of Christ. That is the mission of a savior who wants his people to live in freedom. We are not just seeing results with individual people. That's what's so incredible about this. We are seeing results across the city and across countries. Listen to this, after five years of work in the justice system in the city of Cebu in the Philippines, independent auditors have confirmed a 79% reduction of, in the number of minors in the sex industry. This is massive. 79% reduction of children in the sex industry. This was such an incredible statistic. The Filipino government has adopted this strategy and they're now using it in other Filipino uh, uh, cities. And by the grace of God, in the span of just a decade or two, we may see the near eradication of sex trafficking of minors in the Philippines. Would that be incredible? I, and, and when I first heard that, I thought, impossible. This is impossible. We're talking about an entire country. We're talking about a country with a rich history in child sex trafficking. How is, it, how is this possible? And then I remembered the God I serve is the same God that rescued Kumar. The God I serve is bigger than this problem. The God I serve is the same God that empowered and awoke Abraham Lincoln. The same God that empowered and awoke Harriet Tubman. The same God that empowered and awoke 
all of the, the amazing abolitionists, William Wilberforce, throughout our history, God has awoken the people to do his work. Isn't that incredible? Cambodia, a country that was considered ground zero for pedophiles and sex tourists. After 15 years of work in one of the largest commercial sex markets in the country, the trafficking of minors in Cambodia has been virtually eradicated to less than one-tenth of one percent. That's how big our God is. And Liana, my friend, she's now in school, she's thriving. She wants to be the first person in her family to actually go to college. And she's on her way, she's set up to go. And I found out a few weeks ago that her mother, the one who had trafficked her, was just sentenced to 15 years in prison. <sighs> what we're doing is working. It's changing the world. And it's really actually horrible to have to tell a country no that's asking for our help because we just don't have the funding to go in there and help them out right now. And this is where you can help us. We need your prayers, we need your advocacy, we need your financial donations and support. And one of the things that I find really interesting about being a Christian is that the work of a Christian never quite looks like you would expect it to. <laughs> we sometimes get ideas in our head that we're gonna do this and do that because we're Christians and we can take over the world. And the work doesn't always match up with how we see in our minds. So I'll have people asking me, let me get involved. I, I wanna fight against trafficking. I wanna see sl sl slaves set free. And I say, okay, here is a stack of petitions. Could you go out and, and get signatures on, for all, from all your neighbors and everyone you know? Um, or can you call Senator Rubio's office? We really need his support on this bill that we're trying to push through. And I get looks like, huh? I don't know. I don't, that wasn't what I had in mind. And I think what it is, is that when people are asking to get involved in this work, they really wanna be the ones to swoop into the brothels and gather up all the little girls and kick the traffickers on their way out. And that would be a really awesome job. I mean, don't get me wrong, who amongst us would not love to do that? But that's not available work for all of us. And um, one of the things that many people who get involved in this work have to learn right off the bat is it's not about us. It's not about us being superstars or us being heroes. It's about getting as many children set free as possible. Yes, absolutely. And um, I'll leave you with one last story. At the end of last year, I was visiting one of our um, restoration homes for the children. So it was, it's basically a safe house that children come to when um, they are being rehabilitated. These could be children of sex crimes or children of just any sort of crime. They come to this home and they're taken care of. And it looks like your typical orphanage. It's very plain. It was clean, but you know, you go into a bedroom and there's just bunk beds against the wall, no um, stuffed animals or pillows, it's just a, or blankets, it's just a sheet and um, you don't see shoes and toys or anything like that lying around. So we're visiting this home and the kids are so happy to see us and the Dunbars will know exactly what I'm talking about. You feel like you go offering nothing to them and yet they just wanna be with you. They just, they just wanna touch you and get a hug from you and spend time with you. And you feel like, 
oh, I'm offering nothing. But the look on their faces when you go and visit is just incredible. I mean, there's just no feeling like it in the world. And so uh, a group of us were there visiting the children and um, our, our group leader, the kids had gathered and our group leader says, hey, Crystal, why don't you say something to the kids? And that really put me on the spot because, I mean, I can talk to children, right? I have children, I can talk to children, but what am I gonna say to these kids? What am I gonna say to these children that have experienced so much heartache and brokenness in their small lives? Do I say I've come from the best place on earth, like every child's dream and hang in there kids, maybe you can visit someday. I mean, there's just no one right thing to say to these children. So I started praying and um, <laughs> God reminded me of you guys. And I love talking about this church. I brag about you guys so much. When I started telling these kids about the people from Northwest Church who pray for them, who think about them, who give money, who collect money in stupid piggy banks every week so that they can improve their life. I talk about our kids' church who collect change every week and pray for these children every week. These kids had no idea anyone had ever thought of them. They had no idea anyone was praying for them. They had no idea anyone was thinking of them. And I think as human beings, one of the best things we can hear is that we're not forgotten, that we're loved, that somebody cares about us. So you may not get to bust into brothels and pick up children and bring them to safety, but there are children in the world that now know you care about them. They will never forget that. Let's play our final clip. Uh, we all know the Good Samaritan story. Two other people walked past this man who was hurt and wounded. There was one person who stopped, picked him up, and paid for his care. It didn't take too much, it just required him to stop and actually pay attention that somebody is suffering, pay attention that somebody is wounded. Now, Jesus talked to us about this parable because he wants us to be like that Good Samaritan. You may be removed miles and miles away from where these things are happening, from where the crime of human trafficking or slavery is happening. But you're also very close to the heart of Jesus. He wants to extend His kingdom on this earth. And He doesn't just come from heaven and do it Himself. He uses people like you and I. He uses us as His instruments. He uses our abilities to extend His kingdom. Do you want to be someone who stopped and decided no? This is, this is wrong. It cannot happen on my watch. It cannot happen in my time. And so the invitation is open. If you are watching this, it is because you woke up this morning and made the choice to get here. And when you leave this place, you take it with you. Right now, there are more than 45 million people around the world still bound in slavery, and that number is growing. IJM has a model that works, 
but we can't do more unless we have more help. So we are asking believers from around the world to take action and take us with you too. We call them Freedom Partners. When you become a Freedom Partner, you join a community that is actively praying, advocating, and spreading the word to get more people involved. By giving $24 a month or more, we can grow our global mission to find, rescue, and renew lives. Because lack of resources should never be the reason why we didn't end slavery. Do you want to be one of them who walked past? Or do you want to be someone who stopped and decided, no, this is wrong. It cannot happen on my watch. It cannot happen in my time. And so the invitation is open. Join us and become a Freedom Partner today. And if you are watching online, I am going to put up information here. Um, we'll be putting up information on how you too can become a partner. Um, there's also information on um, IJM's website, which is www.ijm.org. Um, let me just brag on a few of our local people here for a minute. We have a lot of different activities that happen throughout the months and throughout the years um, in an effort to really facilitate all different types of people that want to help and get involved with the work of IJM. So we have a group of... of um, young people, adults, young adults <laughs> that have started a group called Fun Nights for Freedom. And many of you have been a part of this where we put on really fun um, activities. We've had several, um, what do you call them, trivia nights uh, where the competition really heats up. But all of the money that we raise from these nights goes to IJM. And it's the same with the, over the summer we had a competition, a healthy competition between the men and women about who could fill up the piggy bank. And um, so there are ways to get involved. Perhaps financially it's not an option for you right now, but we'll take your time, we'll take your prayers. All of these things are so meaningful in this fight against slavery. And I also have to brag on our kids. We have such a great kids program here where we are not afraid to tell our children about things that are happening in the world, but we don't just leave them feeling bad. Hello, college professors that are watching me from colleges right now. You don't leave them feeling bad about it. You give them the tools and the resources to change it. And that's what we're doing in our kids' church. We're telling them, look, this is what the problem that exists. This is what you can do to be part of the solution. That's the key. That is one of the things that our country is missing. We are part of the solution. Let me brag on Brian Browning, who last year, my goodness, he is a home inspector and um, knows about IJM. He's been a supporter for years now, and um, he spotted something suspicious when he was on one of his jobs. And so he, he came over and we talked and decided, yeah, this is something you need to just report. If it turns out to be nothing, you're not in trouble, just report it. So he called the um, hotline for trafficking anti-trafficking, and gave all of the information. He got word several months later, 
a trafficker, the, the guy that he, he um, had suspected was in fact a trafficker and three girls were rescued as a result of Brian's efforts. about using the resources that God's put in front of us. Because I think sometimes we get stumped by thinking, well, I'm not a pastor, I'm not an investigator, I'm not a counselor, what can I do? If a home inspector can figure out a way to jump into the fight, I think we all can, right? So let's, let's jump in. Let's do this. And um, Thank you guys so much for being here today. If I can answer any questions, if we can answer questions in the back, there's also our lovely table that's back there. This is our prevention to trafficking. This is where we say, not in our country, not in our city. We love our girls here and we will protect them. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for such a special day. We thank you that you have taught us in this month about freedom and what true freedom looks like. Father, forgive us for the times that we have forgotten how blessed we are. We've forgotten what you've saved us from. And Jesus, we pray for those that are still living in bondage, for those that are still enslaved. Jesus, we believe that they will be rescued. We believe that you are putting tools into the hands of godly men and women who will come to their aid. And we just pray for their protection right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And God, as we go throughout our week, that our eyes will be opened to your mission, to your mission for us right here where we live. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. You are the light of the world. Have a great week.